Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your place to go for all things EPL Draft Fantasy. We are back again, Mick and I. Now, it's just the two of us again, Mick. Uh, do we have the other co-hosts running scared, given our amazing banter and just chemistry that the two of us well, have? I, I was thinking about this earlier. I, I reckon we can be considered the panellists. Um, mm -hmm. We're just missing our guests today. Yeah. It's true. basically just our pod. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, it's sort of like we're the lead commentators and you know how they have like, you know, the, the analysts sort of standing. Yeah. By. I mean, yeah, you got the, hmm. we got the analysts, you've got the, uh, touchline, uh, injury report updates. Um, I think that would be Dave. I think that would be Dave. Yeah. Cause I feel like Gilby's the expert analyst, you know, given what, what he brings, uh, obviously you and I, the, the, the lead commentators and yeah, Dave's just like on the sideline with an umbrella, hoping not to freeze to death. I can definitely see that. You know what? Mm. I can see Gilby sitting there with a uh, touchscreen whiteboard drawing lines oh. about different positions. That, that that does work. And you know what? Being a teacher, he would know how to work that whiteboard too. I think so. I, I think it's a beautiful sort of um, way to look at the dynamic at the moment. But because we're the, you know, the, the lead commentators, we, we don't need those other guys. We've, we've got it covered. We can, we exactly can sort right. this out. We can sort this out. So... Well, I reckon we can safely say now, without knowing the numbers, I don't think our pod did any worse than normal because they weren't here. <laughs> Am I right? Nah. Look, I, I think you could be onto something there, to be honest. But, hey, you never know. Maybe this is the week for us where it just all blows up and we all of a sudden get a 1,000 people watching our live stream. Very unlikely, but you never know. If that happens, they're not welcome back. <laughs> not, and, and Mick's not talking about the, uh, the, the viewers. He's talking about... Yes, Gilby definitely. And, and Dave, just to be really clear. Viewers are more than welcome back. Dave, Gilby, you're gone if that happens. <laughs> very, very good. Well, let's get into it. I think, you know, we usually start with moment of the week. I, I don't think there's any other fitting moment of the week than two hat-tricks in one game in the same team. Uh, Impressive. There's not much you can really say about that. And I mean, not only did Harlan get a hat-trick, he also got two assists. So, I mean... It, quite literally, Mick, is there anything that he actually can't do? I'm yet to see it. Okay. Um, yeah, there's, there's a, I mean, there's so many stats going around at the moment that he's scored more goals or he's got the same number of hat-tricks as, Premier League hat-tricks, sorry, yeah. as Ronaldo, as... Uh, there's just a multitude of these well-known players. Yeah, it was also that it's only taken him eight games. Eight games. And the others have like 40 games and 50 games, and he's taken yeah. eight games to get three hat-tricks. The, the, other, the other stat I saw was the he's now played 100 games, I believe it is, and the number of goals he's scored in those 100 first league games. Now, you've got to consider the quality of the leagues these players were in, but... Haaland has scored 104 goals in his first 100 games. Yep. To put it in perspective, Messi had 41. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if that's all at Barcelona or if there was some of his uh, Boca Juniors. Boca Juniors, is it a River Plate background? Boca, I think. Um, before that. And Ronaldo had 16. Which wow. is ridiculous. So, in saying that, Ronaldo obviously was more of a winger. So, goal involvement mm. might be a different story. But... yeah. 
he's a freak. And I realize he's come through Salzburg and in Norway before that. But man, he's, it's unbelievable. And it's, you'll have a very different opinion to this, but he's kind of killing our fantasy league. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When we'll get to the scores later, but when the average score is sitting around the 40, when you have one player scoring 23 points, it's ridiculous. Now, yeah. I was actually, I was thinking about going through our previous years of fantasy and trying to work out the average score for a first round draft pick in our league. I reckon Harlan could get appearance points from here to the rest of the season and he would hit that average. Yeah. Literally not score another goal, get what, the, if he gets appearance points, so two points for what is that, 29 games remaining, another 58 points, he'd be at 150. You'd be pretty happy, generally, if you can get yeah. to your 150 points. You're not you're far quite, off. You're quite literally happy with that. Look, to put it into perspective, he's almost scored 100 points, like you say. And he's almost he's, double second. Well, let, let's in terms of our league, right, and our league table at the moment, if you took that 100 points from me, that would mean Gilby's in the lead, 376 points. If you gave my 100 points to literally anyone in that league, Bar Craney, they would be leading. Right? Well, you know, yeah. give or take, because you have to take a few points off because, you know. Yeah. But, like, just as a, as a general, very quick glance at it, like, that's just insane that he's had that much oh. influence and scored that many points so quickly. And so. I'm not going to lie. After I woke up, I thought it would have been Monday, Monday morning after the derby was on uh, public holiday here that I had a quick look because. I wasn't quite sure if I remembered the podcast where I predicted the, the the pre-draft pod where I suggested what I thought the top nine would be. And I remembered I had I had the top four and I said, look, you could stretch Harland into the top five, but there's a little bit of risk with a new team. And I remembered Gilby having an opinion on it and I wasn't quite sure if he said, straight out said, I don't think so. Mm. I think but, it was and, like and, that. It wasn't. It wasn't quite that much. He said there is a big risk and he referenced how often he breaks down and how we will get injured. Well, if I was you, I'd be pretty happy with 96 points in nine games, even if he does get injured. And like I said, you get appearance points from there out. Yeah, You're still going pretty close to 200 I mean, points. He's got all of the World Cup to recover as well if something were to happen. Yeah. You know, he, he, he's just an absolute freak. And I mean... Even though, yeah, he broke down a fair bit. Like, he's scoring, even before he got to the Premier League, he's scoring a goal a game. Yeah. So, like, that's, I mean, it's unheard of. It's unheard of. So, I think, um, I, I, is it, who has the, the, the point scoring record in EPL fantasy? I believe it's Salah with just over 300. I don't know if many players have ever broken the 300 mark. I feel like Suarez, Suarez yeah, possibly. Like you've got to assume, you've got to assume. Like if, I mean, of course, if he keeps on this current rate, he's definitely going to break up 300. But you've got to assume, even if he doesn't keep oh. going the way he is, he's breaking 300. Like it, it's just insane. It's crazy. What are they going to price him at next year? Like are they oh. going to price him at 15 million or something? Like what? It's just it's right. crazy. We'll go from the most recent. I've just found the top scorers from each individual year. So mm-hmm. last year, Salah got 265. Yeah. So in a quarter of the season, uh, in 25% of the season, uh, he's already passed 
33% of the way there to that top yeah. score. Oh, Fernandez, 244 the year before. De Bruyne, 251. Mm-hmm. Salah, 303 and 259. Okay. 264 for Sanchez, Mares 240 in the Leicester season, 233 for Hazard, 295 for Suarez, oh, 269 and 262 for Van Persie. So it's it's ridiculous that he's almost at 100 already. Um, I think I just went there. Yeah, 2010, Lewis Nanny only got 198. Now, I don't know if they changed scoring system or if they've applied that back to them. But that's the oh, only yeah. season no one's reached 100. Now, in a quarter of the season, he's already halfway there. But I it's... feel like Salah was very similar last year, though, wasn't he? It, it was like after 10 games and he was very close to yeah. He, points. Yeah. Um, in terms of goal involvement, I think Haaland has won more than Salah had at the same point last year. Uh-huh. Okay. So, Salah just had more assists, less goals, which obviously fantasy points-wise loses a couple. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know how... It, it, I would assume it's got to be pretty similar in terms of... Oh, but every goal would be worth an extra point, so... It would be. So it'd sort of cancel out fairly It probably well, answers, yeah. Look, it, it's just insane. I think um, you're right. He's sort of... Whoever has Haaland at the moment is, is winning probably most draft leagues, I would assume. Um, Absolutely. Unless after getting Haaland, you drafted so poorly that you're literally getting no more points. May happen. Who knows? But, um, Even if yeah. you're picking players that play, if you've got 10 other positions in your team and they all get 60 minutes, there's an extra 40 point, uh, 20 points, right? Yeah. If you times that by nine, it's 180. You're still at almost 300 points. Now, if I look at my team or say bottom in our league, yeah, there you go. If, if that's where you're at, if you say Harlan has 100 yeah. and then you get 180 other points, is that what I just worked out? You'd be at 280, which is one point more than my team. What you've so, just described is your drafting strategy for next year. So what That's I've just described it. is <laughs> I was never had never had a chance to win because getting the last pick from the wheel has screwed me over there. No. Basically, anyone that didn't get top five. Now, what I can safely say is what pick in the draft did you have? Four or five? Five. So there's four guys in our league who are kicking themselves right now because they had oh, yeah. a chance. Oh, yeah. Look, what I can Nathan. say is my, myself, Nathan, Ben, and Dave. Yeah. No, Dave took Sun. No, Dave took Kane. Jeff has Sun. Uh, Craney took Sun. Jeff took Salah because he was first. And, uh, yeah. Then... Gilby took De Bruyne. So surely yeah. this. Who else was after that? Dan, it, it, maybe. No, no. It went uh, Jeff, um, Gilby, Craney. Oh, I literally got it here. Dave and myself. Yeah, and then Dan was after you. Yeah. So Dan, myself, Nathan, and Ben never had a chance. Mm-hmm. So I will say out of us, Dan's doing quite well because he's beating myself, Nathan, yeah. and Ben. Dan is 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 in a very good sort of pack there around between third and fifth. So he's he's done exceptionally well. He's doing really, really well. Um, Nathan said to me the other day, you know, for him, Harlan was his number one draft pick. Like he, 
if he'd got first pick, he would have gone Harlan. That that's what he sort of maintained, and he said that to me like right from the very beginning too. So he always had big raps on him. Um, yeah, it's just worth. I mean, like that. In Nathan's Nathan's defense, or more so in the lack of my ability to defend myself, is I wasn't going to take him number one because I it's on record. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's a big risk. I, I had him. I had him in top five, but I just didn't know for sure that I could risk it. Um, but 100%, if I had fifth pick like you did and the other four had gone, there is no doubt in my mind who I was taking. Yeah. But yeah. They got those four guys above that I said tend only have themselves to blame. Hey, I said exactly the same thing and I don't necessarily blame you. I had all those guys in the same kind of bracket anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. Look, I think, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what the rest of this season brings. It's still very early on, but yeah, you've got to say that Harlan's had an incredible start. Obviously, the person we haven't spoken about is Foden, um, also getting a hat-trick. I actually, I only saw the uh, the goal highlights earlier. Have you seen the goals? Hmm. The first finished by Foden, hmm. kind of the ball's a little bit behind him to hit that near post. Oh, oh that's a yeah. quality finish. It was a great hit. So, um, he, you know, I think, Everyone's known for a long time that he definitely has good quality. It was always a matter of how often is he getting rotated and who's going to pick him up, when is he going to get picked up in the draft because of that. Um, but you've got to say now that with Haaland there and the way that they're sort of playing, um, you know, Foden, Foden's a must. You know, he's, he's going to be there more often than not in that, to- in that side. He's also had eight starts this season, mm. yeah, which is – Comparatively to Pep Roulette is insane. I think he started every that would be every game, right? Yeah, maybe missed one. Miss Whereas one. I think Harlan's only the same. So whether that changes with fixtures congesting soon, whether Grealish being injured has been part of that, um, yeah, and whether Alvarez starts pushing his way, not pushing his way in necessarily, but can get into that because they've played him on the right wing, I think, once or twice. Maybe yeah. that was in Champions League, so. It's not like they don't have options. Um, obviously, Bernardo Silva, they've got as who can drop back into that cam centre mid role. Yeah. Interesting to see what they do, but I think it's pretty nice to have a set and forget forward in your team like Ireland. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll see how, how it continues to go. Like you can have Haaland, but you still got to make sure you've got other guys around him playing because there's some really good teams in our league who can score really good points. So... We'll wait and see what that looks like. Now, before we get into the waiver wire, we did talk before we streamed, you and I, Mick, about, you know, making sure that we're talking about Premier League. You know, we're not necessarily talking about Australian mm. football or any other leagues. Um, we had a reason for that. I'm not going to talk about that, but I'm going to break that rule because I want to give you an opportunity to talk about West Brom in regards to Roger Watch. Mm. Now he played on the weekend, really quickly. He did. How to go? Um, I, didn't, I know we're breaking I'm, rules here, Mick. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want you to talk about West Brom. Un- unfortunately, being in the championship, it's hard to watch some of their games. Ah. So he did get a start, but he was playing in the deeper centre mid role, which mm. isn't his preference. He is much more. He, he's much better at carrying out now. Without saying too much. West Brom lost again, but on a personal note, Rogic would have had, in fantasy terms, zero points. Wow. He got 57 minutes with a yellow card on foot mob, the uh, 
the the site I use, they've rated him as a 6.2. So didn't have a whole lot. Um, I'm assuming without having actually been able to watch the game, um, I mean, looking at the stats, we should have doubled their score. We had 2.2 expected goals to their 1.1. We lost 3-2. So wow. it's, a, it's a frustrating one. Um, but I'm assuming they're using his on-ball ability to try and drive through lines, trying to rather than pass through lines, trying to, I guess, carry the ball a little bit higher up the field yeah. to allow their number 10 to play that little bit higher. But that's not what he's good at. They, they need to find a different way. And we've obviously, I don't think we've mentioned yet, but uh, Wolves manager being yeah. sacked as well. Bruno, so as to how Steve Bruce has still got a job in the championship, I don't know. Um <laughs> without wanting to big up the team I support, they should not be 21st in the championship with one win from 11 games. Put simply, uh, especially when we've got quality, we should be, I'm not saying we should be in the Premier League, but we should be top half in the championship relatively comfortably. We've always been known as a yo-yo team that goes up and down, so we should be vying for the title of the championship, not in 21st and almost relegation. Um, and if I look at the teams around us, Middlesbrough just sacked Chris Wilder, another former Premier League manager, wow. um, and they're they're below us on the table with two wins from 11. So I don't quite know how when we have a worse defence, we have less wins. We I don't know how he – it hasn't even been spoken about. Anyway. Well, that's it is what it is. Yeah, we're not doing well. Rogic hasn't started super well, but that is the manager's decision not to play him where he's probably at his best. Well, what we'll do instead of you know boring our tens of thousands of, of, of watchers with um, a league that's not the Premier League and a player who's Australian. Every week, I'm just going to ask Tommy Rogic watch, and you're going to give me his fantasy what his fantasy points would be. That's all I want. I, I will attempt to. I will and, attempt and I to. And I think that that gives us enough sort of a, of, a, of a look into that world, if you will. So, Well, yeah. best part, there's actually a game at 5am tomorrow. We play Preston and it's on Bean and KO. So Ooh. I might get to watch the Tempting. first half at least before I have to go to work. There you go. Um, maybe by this time next week, Steve Bruce will have lost his role and... I don't know, maybe uh, we can sway Big Ange to come across. No chance. <laughs> In saying that, we'll make a little segue. Have you seen, I don't know what former Liverpool player it was that came out, but has said that he thinks, actually it was a former Celtic player, I think it was Chris Sutton, who said that he thinks Ange will be the next Liverpool manager. Mm, okay. Which, big call, but Very much so. I, I put a few big calls out here and I actually said I could see him going to City. You did. I, yeah. I would argue that if he goes to Liverpool, I would say that that's a pretty – that's closer than any one of Miss Maltese has ever been. You're probably right. Yeah. No, and probably, probably long enough odds too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially when you predicted it. Um, yeah. Uh, there you go. Well done. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe uh, mix on to something. So, um, look, what we'll do, we'll, we will have a look at the waiver. Now – because Gilbic wasn't with us today, what he has done, okay, he has actually put together um, the waiver and he has put his um, grades to each of those as well. He, we didn't have them last week, but he put them together for us this week, which was really good. I don't know if that's because he watched um, the, the, the stream 
and thought, no, these guys aren't doing a good enough job. We need some grades in there, which I understand. That's fair enough. But he's done that for us. Now, Mick, are you happy to go through those? I can um, indeed. What I may do, I might just bring them up on the screen because, hey, we have the technology and uh, we can sort of look through it at the same time and try and figure out what is going on. So we're obviously just going to look at the most recent uh, waiver uh, and we'll sort of go from there. And uh, let's now have a little bit of a look. So Mick, um, talk us through it, Thank please. God. I was first. You were. Um, so the first one is I picked up uh, Callum Wilson, dropped DCL. Now, Gilby has given that a B. Um, interesting. I mean, DCL hasn't returned from injury as of yet. Um, mm. I don't know if he made a, a token appearance off the bench this week. Um, no, he still hasn't made an appearance this year. Wilson had come back from injury. They said he was ready to go and... The other thing with that was Isaac had been ruled out from Sweden duties. So yeah. I also knew I was carrying uh, Pats and Dakar um, in my team. So I wasn't quite sure. And Mitrovic had a bit of a cloud from his Serbian duties. So I needed another forward just to make sure. Um, so I picked up Wilson. Wasn't I, I was tempted to hold DCL, uh, but decided to pick up Wilson there. Um, got me a goal as well. I'm pretty sure off the top of my head. Um Gilby's given me a B now. We spoke about this before we started, but I reckon the only reason he didn't give me an A is because he didn't want to admit the correct call was to drop DCL. Um, I think that's why he didn't give me the A. Um, but hey, Gilby can defend that next week if he wants to. So after that, Nate picked up Fabio Vieira for, uh, Vieira for Gordon. Um, on face value, I mean, Gilby's given it a C. On face value, when I look at it, I'm intrigued. I don't know much about Vieira. I haven't watched much of Arsenal. Um, my first instinct was, is he a guaranteed starter? And I was a bit surprised. He, so. He'd been, I assume, on the bench or not in the squad for the first five, didn't get a minute, came off the bench in game six uh, for 16 minutes, then scored a goal and got a clean sheet playing 90 against Brentford for 10 points, but then went back to the bench this week. So a bit of an interesting one um, for dropping Gordon. Now, I think we spoke about Gordon last week and how he hadn't been picked up yet in the draft and how that surprised us both because he'd been playing as the out-and-out striker. But maybe Gordon's value has dropped a little bit with Morpai coming in and DCL coming back. Hmm. And then obviously he didn't get the start this week. So in hindsight, dropping Gordon wasn't the end of the world. They both got similar minutes, same number of points. Um, I still would prefer a more attacking player in a Gordon-type role rather than Vieira, who I think is more of a holding mid-defensive type role. If he was a guaranteed starter, different story. Um, he's a bit more but, of a playmaker, but um, okay. I think you mean yeah, that has that sort of spot nailed down. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, gets waived again this week for somebody else. So next up, you've got Dan, who's dropped uh, Leon Bailey for Potence. Um, Gilby has given that one a C. Basically, it's just swapping attacking outlets. Um, I'm, to be honest, I look at that and I'm, I think C's probably a little bit harsh. I think Potence is a more guaranteed starter. This is without any research. I don't know if you want to bring it up. And Potence, I'm pretty sure, has started the majority of games, has got more minutes than Bailey anyway. Um, and Wolves have generally, what's that? So he's had six starts and three, uh, two off the bench. Yeah. Um, for two goals, whereas Bailey's probably four, three and three or four and four, sorry. Um, so pretty close to half and half. Um, 
Oh, two on the bench. So yeah. you could argue that Bailey's actually started more games. Um, yeah. So he's uh, interesting. Wolves, are they a better attacking team? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say so. Villas with good fixtures. Okay, there you go. I understand why it's a C. Gilby, did your research. Good job. Um, next up, Jeff dropped Harvey Barnes, picked up Rodrigo, I'm assuming from Leeds. That's right. There, it's on the other way there. So picked up Leeds. Um, I will be honest, that's one I looked at as well. Um, Rodrigo coming back from injury for Leeds as a midfielder who I believe would basically be playing striker in that team. Um, very tempting. Dropping Barnes, though, he was the guy that he got from me in a trade uh, last week or two weeks ago. Um, interesting one, if it's guaranteed early returns. Unfortunately yep. for Jeff, Barnes scored this week. Thank Leicester you. got a four win. Um, mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me if Barnes is a pretty pretty popular asset come this waiver wire. Um, so Jeff's oh, – sorry, not Jeff. Gilby has rated that one a D. Um, be interesting to know if he ex- would have said it's a D before he knew what the games were as well. Obviously, in hindsight, yeah, it is. But prior to that, it'd be interesting. Uh, next up was Gilby. Dropped Digne for Castagne. Uh, Digne, Dorito of Death, pretty easy, straightforward. Gilby mm-hmm. hasn't rated him himself. So, I mean, a Dorito of Death, it's hard to give anything under a B when you're getting rid of a player who guaranteed wasn't yeah. going to play for a player who would. I mean, we may um, talk about that a little bit later, though, for some reasons that you and I are aware of, but we, we don't want to spoil that right now because um, yeah. it, it could have been in his best interest to actually just leave Digne where he was. <laughs> but anyway, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. So picking up Castagne, um, I believe Leicester going into this round had the three promoted teams in their next three games. So it's a pretty pretty straightforward pickup there. Um, may not be a long term long term thing, but short term with Pereira out as well, um, it's going to be there. I'm just seeing a, some live message come through. Probably. Jeff is not happy getting rated a D for that trade. So oh, we'll see if, uh, if see if there's any other comments there. I can't wait to hear them. Um, but Castagna, I think, is a pretty good trade. Um, I was next. I actually picked up the other side of the field, the left back, uh, Justin. Um, and dropped Cody, Connor Cody. So a little bit of an interesting one. I thought Justin, like I said, had a good run of fixtures for Leicester. Leicester haven't been great, but they've been okay. They just haven't necessarily been they, getting the results. You've got to think they've got a lot of upside, Leicester still. Yeah. Um, and then but, I but dropped Cody. Cody I was, yeah. He And unfortunately scored a goal and got a clean sheet. So nine yeah. points. I mean, Leicester did get a clean sheet as well. So I still yeah. got six points for Justin. Sure. Sure. Um, so it only cost me three. Um, it's just an interesting one. It's one of those where I wanted to bring him in. I just wasn't sure who to get rid of and probably chose the wrong one. But when you look at my team later, my defense was pretty solid across the board this week. Um, uh, that's where I got the majority of my points. So I don't think there was really anywhere I could have made that a better trade without while keeping a defender-defender trade. Next up was Dan. I dropped Kelly from Bournemouth, Dorito of Death, for Anderson for Palace. Um, Gilby's given that one a C. I, I personally would give that an A. I spoke about it last week. I told I was talking to Ben. He picked up Anderson, ended up dropping him because he didn't have a game. Um, I think Anderson's a great defender. Again, mm-hmm. hindsight, though, is Anderson didn't play muscle injury, I'm assuming. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, didn't first game of the season, he didn't play. Um, so unfortunately for Dan, it was a nothing trade in the end. So give it a C, but I still think long-term Anderson's going to be a much better option than Kelly. 
Um, the last trade, if we go over to the uh, free agents, is yourself, Isaac. Now, yep. I'll, I'll give full information. You dropped John Stones. You picked up Simicast. Gilby has given you a C. I told you before that. I think that is extremely harsh. I'm, I'm assuming. Upset. Angry I, upset. Yeah, I, I, I think this might have been done after the fact when he knows <laughs> what the scores were. But Stones is a Dorito of death. And you're bringing in a player who Klopp had already said would be starting for Liverpool in an attacking wingback role. Even if it's only a one-week thing, I don't I don't really understand how you can give that one a C. It's got to be an A. Hindsight, obviously, Simicast didn't do that well for you. We know that. No, he did not. But he did not do any worse than Stones, and you're not any worse out for it. So That's giving that I mean, one a C is a bit interesting, but... I, I, I would have thought maybe something higher than that. At least a C plus, Gilby. Come on. But... Uh, I mean, this is my this defender. This position for this defender is like my swing defender, where I'm just trying to get max uh, as many points as I think I can in this position week in week out. Um, yeah, like I know Simicassi isn't a long term fix, but neither is Stones because we know that he's not going to start when everyone's fit. So you know, I'm just trying to get as maximum points, many points as I can possibly get, and I thought Simicass was a pretty safe bet. He might have Absolutely. one more week in him. And if we just have a look at fixtures, yeah, they've got Arsenal. Doesn't sound great. We'll just have to wait and see. The other thing that's a bit concerning about him is that he's been coming off up before the 60 minutes. So he's not getting that extra point either at the moment. So, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll have to wait. Is that, just is that just because they're ch uh, chasing the game? Potentially could be. Yeah, I'm not sure who he was substituted for. I, I doubt it was another defender, surely. Uh, you know, it, who, who else did they have to bring on, realistically, uh, in terms of a defender? So oh, Probably James Milner. Oh, actually, uh, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you bring on James Milner? But, uh, yeah, look. Uh, it I'm... actually was James Milner. <laughs> look, um, at the end of the day, I'm just chasing points, and I, I figured it would be a, a pretty – it could have yielded a few more points than it did. It didn't. That's okay. It's a risk you take. But uh, as Jeff says, uh, Gilby, his marking needs to be moderated. I mean, I'm sure Gilby's moderated marking plenty of times before. It's only fair that maybe uh, that has to happen in a fantasy sense as well. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. So th that was the extent of uh, the waivers this week. Not not too much really to talk about. Mm. Um, big thing that I noticed is, and I was sitting in uh eighth that week but not nothing from Craney nothing from Ben um, nothing from was it Dan as well no Dan did pick up one um, Dave also didn't put anything in so interesting that a few of those boys I'm assuming just got busy with stuff and didn't get a chance to but yeah particularly uh, Craney and, and Ben that's it's something that you need to try to look at if you want to try to have a chance to come back later this season I think it's one of those things where it's it's easy to get into a routine with it, but because the routine's been out a little bit, um, I can totally yeah. understand where you would just totally forget to do something. So we'll wait and see what happens next time around. Um, I think before we look at our league ladder, now Gilby also sent through a lot of other stats as well. It's probably the Absolutely. right time to go through those because they relate to the game week. And, you know, for any fans who actually watched the game week, there was a lot of goals scored. There were some interesting results, and it had a big part to play in a lot of fantasy points being issued. So um, 
Mick, are you happy to maybe go through those? There might be a couple of talking points. As I'll, we go. I'll, I'll touch on, yeah, I'll touch on them really quickly. So I'll pretty much read them as it is, but um, the notes Gilby has, Madison, two goals and an assist. He, he had 42 touches in the final third, which is 12 more than any other player on the pitch in the um, Leicester-Nottingham Forest game. Um, he created four chances. So interesting one there. He's come into form at a good time. Wasn't in the most recent England squad. Um, got to think if he keeps up that form, he's going to get close to getting called up, surely. Mm. Um, from there, we have Forrest has lost five in a row, conceding three in each of the last four matches. Um, the big thing that Forrest saw is the change in formation. So they've gone away from the three-back into a four-back or a five-back, I guess you could almost argue it is. Um, so whether that changes Nico Williams um, and his attacking license. Now, I saw a stat this week which had the uh, expected goals, the top three expected goals scorers for each team. Um, Nico Williams was second for Forrest behind Brendan Johnson. Um, so for, for a right wing back, I think you're doing pretty well to get up that high. I guess they have rotated through one of their 25 signings in striker, so they've probably shared around that role. Um, the other thing I noticed, though, is I think he actually got subbed off at halftime for Serge Aurier. So I think he may have lost his attacking license, but he may have also started to lose his role in the team. So it'd be interesting to see if they do go to a fullback, whether Aurier gets preferred to Williams now. is Because you have Williams, don't you, Isaac? Is that something you're worried about? I do. Um, look, he most probably won't be in my team next week. I can give you that. So I'm, I'm looking elsewhere because I just don't think Forrest um, are right now are the team that people hoped they would be. And like you mentioned, they've got like, what, 25 new players. It's sort, You know what it's sort of like? It's sort of like, you know, when you're playing just a, a, a Saturday or a Sunday league game, as, as we did back in the day, and you've got a ring-in, and you're like, you, you don't really know who this ring-in is, but you're like, hey, if anyone asks, your name's Barry. Okay, that's what it's written down as the team shows. Your name's Barry. It's almost like they've got that, but they've got that for like all 11 positions on the field. And so they sort of, they don't really know each other. They, they're like, let's give each other just a generic name so at least we can call out and hopefully somebody answers and we can try and play a pass. They just don't know. They don't even know who their best 11 is realistically. So, I, I mean, it's just, they're a bit of a shambles to me at the moment. So... I'm just loving the thought of the uh, Serge Aurier and um, our knee, their striker, and just someone yelling out, yeah, Barry, yeah, Barry, yeah, Bazza, pass the ball. Oh, I just think that's a great, well, great sight. Yeah, great sight. We've all been there. Oh, we have, we have. Uh, moving on there, Callum Wilson, 29 attacking returns in his 48 appearances with Newcastle um, after he scored the goal on the weekend. So, Interesting to see what they do when Isaac does return uh, with St. Maximum as well. Mm. I don't know if one of those, I mean, it's, Wilson doesn't strike me as the type of guy that can go out to a wing, um, whether they maybe play a really narrow formation and put um, St. Max in behind with two strikers or whether they just play one strike and someone gets rotated. So something to think about and to make it even worse is Almiron scored two on the weekend on the right yeah. wing. So, um, which is as many goals as he scored in his past 37 matches. And I'll admit, and I think I even mentioned it to Ben when I was talking to him, is Almiron was one that I actually had on my watch list. Um, uh, I just, with the fixtures, I just couldn't bring myself to get him. And knowing that his record isn't that good, he gets into good positions. He just doesn't seem to score that many. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily a great fantasy asset. Just couldn't pull the trigger on him. Unfortunately, is another one of those what could have been. So, uh, keeping with Newcastle, uh, Kieran Trippier consolidated third spot overall in defenders table with another 
clean sheet. But bit of luck there. He got subbed off right before Fulham scored their goal. So um, myself with Trippier there really helped my team um, getting the six or seven points. But I think the best part is anyone else that had a Newcastle defender lost the points, which helped me even more. So big, big swing there for me. Um, keeping with my team, Trent Alexander-Arnold, uh, the Liverpool Echo, the newspaper over there, gave him a three out of 10 rating. And But they said that he's still actually the second for expected goal involvements among all fantasy Premier League defenders. Um, but he's only created two opportunities in his last three. So it's interesting. And I know Jurgen Klopp made a point of it, um, of pointing out how poor defensively they've been. It'll be interesting to see whether they start to rotate that. Now, um, who was the centre-back pairing? Did Matip finally get the start? Do you know? I'll see Ooh, if I can bring it up. That is one thing I actually don't know. Um, let's have a look with it quickly because I know Nathan's got Matip. Now, he did get one point. Was. Yes, he played 90 minutes. It was Matip. So Matip and Van Dyke finally back in the partnership together. Now, yep. uh, there's, there's a video I've seen. I think it was of Van Dyke who in a Brighton raid is just almost rooted to the penalty spot. And he just watches everything happen around him. And he just doesn't seem to be moving like the Van Dyke, the, the commandeering defender that we all expect him to be. So I think it's, I mean, I'm going to be a little bit biased here, but I think Trent's copping a lot of that. Now don't get me wrong. He's not a great defensive right back, yeah, but he's still a great outlet for them particularly going forward but it'd be interesting to see whether they consider a change in formation like you throw a Kanate into the middle of Van Dyke and Matip play three centered backs you put Robertson and Trent as the marauders forward where they can actually allow that freedom to get up there forward you could still play a Fabinho and a Henderson in behind them and then you've got your Firmino, who can play that kind of link role between the two with effectively Diaz and Salah up front. I mean, talking it through, it seems like it would work. Give them that little bit more solidity. I guess the question is, would that extra defender help them? I guess it takes the pressure off Trent and Simicass or Robertson. What is Thiago or Harvey Elliott currently offering them that the solidity and defensive help to cover their wingbacks would, would do? So... It's interesting. Um, I don't think Klopp's one that would necessarily change his ways, though. I think he's pretty set in how he wants to play. Um, And to be honest, they should be good enough to do it, right? They're they're one of the Premier League's best teams. That Some people were saying a couple of years ago, they're probably the best team to never win the Premier League title. Arguably, yeah, it might be right. But they've got some work to do at the moment um, because a lot of their team looks nowhere near like they have been. Um, which goes into the next one. So Yeah, go for it. Uh, so Mo Salah had more shots than any other game so far this season, received more passes in half, in half spaces rather than wide. So I'm assuming he got more ball in better positions in that game. So they did score three goals. Salah got one assist. That was it. Um, two goals for Bobby. I'm assuming, oh, it must have been an own goal as well, I think. And Diaz got another assist. So... Interesting that another three goals, uh, basically no attacking returns, not the attacking returns you'd expect. Um, Interesting to see where Salah is. At the start of the season, I I would have taken Salah first if I had first pick. Um, I definitely would have. But he's he's hurting at the moment. It's uh, I think it's Jeff that has Salah. It's it's frustrating when 
uh, particularly for Jeff as a Liverpool fan, but frustrating when Salah's not getting in the points he wants, when particularly yeah. when other first rounders are hauling. I think it's important to remember that they played like every single game last season. And then they had a reduced off season as well because they had to get back early for the World Cup. So I think that there's probably some fatigue going on there. And considering like they didn't really restock in a vital part of their midfield as well. Like they probably needed to get some better bodies. And I'm not saying that, you know, your Harvey Elliott's and, and guys like that aren't going to be good enough, but you probably just need some more battle hardened guys in your midfield to help uh, carry that load a little bit more because, you know, they're, they're going to be tired and they've got guys who in that midfield who are aging and who do break down. So I think that therein lies some of the problem because they're just not holding the ball. They're making those silly mistakes due to fatigue. They're not able to get back and help defensively as well as maybe they have in the past due to that as well. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see maybe if in January they're looking for some people, they're looking for some more bodies to, to help them out. Um, and then of course there, there's obviously talk about, you know, Jude Bellingham and things like that moving forward. Like, are they going to get him? You know, is, is he going to help them out to the point where they, you know, regain some of that form that we'd seen them over the last sort of four or five years. So. Yeah. And I was just having a look like at the, uh, the world cup actually, which, which countries are going in Hmm. basically what players would get the uh, benefit of a rest. So we've spoken about Haaland, Norway didn't make it on pretty common, pretty sure they didn't. Um, so he's going to get that whole month off. Um, Luis Diaz actually will as well. So Colombia finished sixth in um, South America. Um, fifth was Peru, who obviously Australia got to play and um, we beat on the way there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether, particularly in the next... Salah gets the rest. Yeah, you get six games or so. Yeah, there's um, talk that, you know, TAA may not go. Like, yeah. you would have thought that he doesn't even get in the squad. You'd think that he'd get in the squad, surely. But Paddy, I, mean, that's what they're I can about. understand that you've got effectively Kieran Trippier mm-hmm. did a job for them at the last World Cup. Um, you've got uh, Kyle Walker, Reese James, both of those two as well. Um, so I think that they've kind of claimed that he's the, the fourth choice right back at the moment. But I the fact that Southgate doesn't rate Trent in that right wing back role, when I've just just mentioned that maybe that's something Liverpool should do, it'd be interesting. Now we, we're obviously recording this on a Wednesday night. They've had Champions League this morning. I haven't actually seen it, but Trent apparently scored a wonderful free kick um, in a clean sheet performance. So fantasy wise, they're doing a great guns there. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't apply to it, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It's Probably, I think I'd, I just needed to go one way or the other. I need him to either come out with blistering performances and get me points, get selected for the World Cup and go, or completely bomb out, have the full rest off and come back fully fresh and then just annihilate the second half of the season. I think yeah. worst case scenario would be a couple of points, get picked, play a little bit, get really fatigued, come back and keep going at that kind of meh level to not get any points. So... I mean, that, that, that's where I'm at. But You know what would be great to see in the World Cup? You know, England, uh, final. They, they make the final somehow. Who knows how? Uh, you know, they get a late free kick. It's nil or late free kick in like the 89th minute. The ball's 25 yards out from goal on a nice angle. And you've got Madison. You've got Ward-Prowse. 
you've got TAA and you've got Trippier all standing around the ball. Who, who decides who takes it? And I mean, they're all so good. Does it really matter who takes it? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Who are you, who are you backing <laughs> in though? Who are you backing in? From those, Ward yeah. Prowse. Ward Prowse every day? Yeah. <laughs> in saying that, out of those four, I think he's the one that's least likely to get minutes. Mm. Um, I, I would say who is likely to actually take that? Trippier. I think he's the one that's most likely to actually start. Um, and then Harry Kane's another one. He can take a free kick. True. I, I actually just hope that they all like are like uh, they all want it. So they're all just like every, everyone's got their hands on the ball and they're all just trying to like take it off each other. That'd be that'd be beautiful. There's only one man that can save that. His name is Harry Maguire. <laughs> Oh, no. I can just I, I can just picture it now in walking in, taking the ball, putting it down, getting them all to rock off to see who wins it. <laughs> uh, anyway, ne- keep going with Gilby's notes here. So they um, say something about getting rocks off at that point, but yeah, he would, he would, <laughs> or scissoring. You know, it could be something like that. Yeah, no. um, <laughs> next up, we've got Bobby Firmino is actually level on the table with Jesus um, oh. in goal scorers, which everyone's talked up how good um, Gabriel Jesus has been going for mm. Arsenal, but. The fact that uh, Firmino is equal with him, interesting. Yep, yep. Um, next up, Trossard, hat-trick, gives him nine goals, five assists, and 106 points from his last 13 games. Um, but there's no midfielder that's overachieving more unexpected goals than him after he's scoring with almost 30% of his shots so far. So it's an interesting one. Now, I remember when I first started reading into this uh, expected goals and what it means and what it is. And Brighton was one team that always overperformed the XG or always underperformed. That they never, they, it never applied the way you'd expect it to have applied. Right. Trossard seems to have just continued that. Yeah. So even now with Graham Potter gone, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Chelsea now starts with that. But, um, and I, uh, I sent it to you guys, but I've actually, I bought uh, the expected goals philosophy. So I guess a book about one of the guys who not invented it, but really popularized it um, and how it came about and how it applies. And I haven't fully read it yet, but one of the things that I've learned from it is, I guess, how to apply it a little bit more. Um, And I I actually use this with the Liverpool Brighton game. Now, if you look at, I mean, different pages will have slightly different, but they obviously finished three or Liverpool had a 2.15 expected goals. Brighton had a 2.37. Um, so I, I would say, according to that, you'd expect it to have been a draw. So it's a draw is probably a fair result. But you always see those kind of results where it's the team that peppered the goal and had more shots that you would have expected them to win. But what I've actually read is it's actually the other way around. So if you've got the same quality of expected goals, so you're both expected to have scored two, if one team took six shots, which is what Brighton took, and one team took 15 shots, which is what Liverpool sh- took, the quality of the chances that Brighton had were significantly better. Okay. So out of yeah. their 2.3 expected goals, they are going to overachieve more often because of the quality of their chances. Right. Liverpool with yeah. 15 shots, they're taking 0.1s, 0.2s, very unlikely chances right. that for yeah. them to have scored multiple to have won that game is way less. So I found that a little bit of an interesting one. I'm a bit of a stats nerd in that sense. And I think Gilby will appreciate that if he doesn't already know it, but it's interesting that when I look at that 3-3, people will say, oh, 15 shots to six, Liverpool were hard done by. Well, it's actually no. 
Brighton were the ones that more often than not, if you were to replay that game, would win more often than Liverpool would. Yeah, right. Uh, that makes total sense. I think that's, I've been really struggling for a while as to how to properly apply that. So I think just looking at that one stat alone maybe doesn't tell the complete picture. You 100% need to look it does at not. A few other things. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. And when you kind of think about it, it does. And it was interesting that when I was reading about the history of it, it all started with betting companies, as everything does that all these companies were paying these statistical, I guess, I don't know whether it was university students, which this is what this guy is, but um, a university student to do all this analysis and to break down these tens of thousands of shots and how often they're likely to score it from these angles with the people in this position and everything like that. But they actually used it to create this analysis to then bet on certain players scoring because they overachieved consistently and stuff like that. Anyway, these betting companies actually made all of this money from it and that's how he started to apply it. But then he realized that when it started getting to mainstream media, people just weren't applying it correctly. So he's written this book. Anyway, once I get to reading it, I'll I'll pop in a bit of information here and there and I'm sure I'll share it around and some of you guys can have a quick read of it as well. But super interesting stuff and definitely helps with the application. I believe the guy who wrote that book, uh, he was on the Guardian Football Weekly podcast last week and sort of all the week, maybe the week before, and sort of discussed a little bit about, you know, where it came from and a few things around it. So it was interesting to listen to. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you make of it, I guess, moving forward. That'd be good. Yeah. Uh, only a couple of points left to go. Uh, Granite Xhaka is now 10th in mids for points with five attacking returns from eight starts. Now, this is an interesting one because it's a player I've had this season. Um, yeah. I got in that trade and I immediately dropped. Jeff was telling me how he's playing in that more advanced role. And I said, well, he's still their number six, really. He's still their screening kind of um, midfielder. But he is getting into some great positions. Um, yeah. And when I was when we were going through the, the wave a while before and I saw uh, Fabio Vieira there, it's like, well, I wouldn't surprise. If I had to pick right now, I know who I'd be picking out of those two. A, the captain, the one that's more likely to actually play. And B, the guy who has, what, five attacking returns in his last eight starts. So he's getting into some good positions. The, the finish he had on the weekend was quality. Yeah, Running yeah. forward, left foot across the goal, and Laurie's never really had a chance for it. So interesting one there. I think particularly with the ninth player we now have in our league and 45 midfielders out there, I think you can do worse than having Dan and Jacques in your team right now. Um, next up, we've touched on it. Uh, Wolves have sacked Bruno Lage, Lage um, on Sunday after they've only scored three goals so far this season. Oh, wow. So going back, I, I can understand now why uh, Gilby gave Dan that C, picking up a, a, a midfielder or attacking outlet for Wolves. Three goals from nine games, not, not ideal. Eight games, I think it might be now. Not ideal. So interesting to see who they replace him with. Um, I know... Ange Postacoglu is one that they have been linking. Um, I don't see it happening. I think he'll stick out with Celtic a bit longer, but I, I just don't know who else they're going to pick up. So um, we've spoken about Haaland a fair bit. 23 points, highest individual round this season. We've spoken about that. Foden Hattrick means he's up to third in the mids. Also has the second most shots in the box, I'm assuming, behind Haaland. Um, and has started each of City's eight matches. So we've touched on all of those things. Um, and Harry Kane last league year. So second place overall with 56 points, I think he has. Um, and he's got seven goals in eight matches. So, I mean, you'd be pretty happy with that. If you got told you've got a, your yes, number one picks averaging seven points a game after eight, scored you 56 points, you'd be, uh, you'd be very, very happy with that. You'd be, he's on track with, what, seven points a game to get almost 260, 266 points. Yeah, 
that's I mean, that's almost happy, the top scorer every year. Yeah, you're happy with that until you then see Haaland's stats. That's the, oh, absolutely. That's the current problem. <laughs> so that's the current problem, and that's the, that's why I go back to Haaland is breaking our league. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Is there any more, or is that it? No, that's it. That's it done. Very good. Well, we must thank Gilby for for those uh, pieces of of analysis. We do appreciate that, and um, we're glad that we could get that out to whoever is going to be watching and listening uh, moving forward. So it is time to look at the league. It's time to sort of analyse and see where everybody is and what the movements are. So I'm just going to put this up on the screen really quickly. Um, our league is going great for guns at the moment. We have uh, Craney still in ninth place, only 26 points. We've got uh, Nathan and Ben have been overtaken by Mick in sixth place, but it's still really tight in that pack of three. We've got Dan, who we spoke about before, doing really, really well um, with Dave and Jeff just above him. And then uh, in front, bit of a bit of a gap now to Gilby in second place. And then a, a small-ish small-ish sort of gap to myself in first. So um, we will have a look at some teams really quickly and uh, sort of chat a little bit more about them. So let's start off with Craney. Now, unfortunately, Craney has regressed a little bit. He had the worst score of the game week with 26. Um, Again, I I haven't seen a game week that I can remember where there's been so many, like, negative and zero points. It's It was just that week. There was lots Absolutely. of big scores, lots of defenders doing really, really poorly. Um, so, you know, only Shah getting six points there. We had He had a Bamiyan getting nine. But other than that, only he, appearance he, points and a negative one for he, Webster, which wouldn't have been great. Well, he had three automatic substitutions happen. So all three of his, defend, uh, all three of his subs came on for yep. a combined one point. Ah. He had two people get one and one get negative one to make one. Which that's that's pretty impressive, and I think it's going to happen a few times in our league when we go through it. But it's uh, it's pretty rough going there. Very rough going. So yeah, those people to drop out: Gomez, Jolinton, Rodri. Um, you know, I think Craney may have a little bit of work to do. Maybe dropping some of those guys, seeing what he can pick up in that uh, waiver. Um, yeah, just not going so well for Craney at the moment. But he's giving it a red hot crack, which we appreciate and want to see. So. From here, if we go up to Nathan, now Nathan's dropped uh, down into eighth place, 28 points, which isn't fantastic. 11 of those coming from the Leeds keeper, uh, Meslier, which, which you know, is pretty impressive for a keeper, I must say. Hey, let's look at how he got those points. Clean sheet, uh, saves, so two bonus, and then three bonus because it was a nil or draw. So obviously he had a lot of saves and was very, very busy which is good to see. So 11 points out of the 28 for Nathan. So very, very happy that he picked um, Isleyer rather than Ramsdale there. Welbeck with five, Martinelli with four, um, and then just sort of ones and twos and a zero from Varane, who came off the bench, I believe. No, he did not. He just picked I think him he, and left Varane he started off the bench for five. Yeah, he did. Um, and he did message me about that, and he's like, yep, I can definitely pick him, can't I? So he wasn't too happy with that. Left Vardy hey, on the bench with five. he's not alone this week. No, he's not alone. But uh, Vardy on the bench with five, so he got a bit of a return this week um, with a, uh, an assist or so um, with that big win that they had over uh, Forrest. Um, good news is, obviously, Matip is back. I believe Laporte came on for some minutes and is back as well. So he's going to have his best defender's very, very soon, which he'll be very happy with. But I think, you know, 
it was a big trend at the beginning of the season, especially in normal fantasy, going big at the back. And I don't think at the moment that has played out too well. I'm not sure if you agree with that, Mick, but that yep. probably hasn't paid off for a lot of people. Last year seemed to be the year where you could really go hard if you wanted to with your defenders. This year, not so much. So I think that maybe uh, people will be changing their tactic a little bit there with the the defense, I would say. Yeah, I was just having a look as well. We spoke about Varane um, and how he got zero points, but you can say it's a bit unfortunate that he had Vardy on the bench for five, but uh, if he didn't get injured, he could have been on for negative because there would have been another three uh, three goals there that he would have conceded. He would have got negative one. So I Pretty think actually going off injured may have saved him a point there. <laughs> there you go. So uh, Nathan, hey, that, that's, a, that's a little nice thing for you there. You, you've, you've Silver lining. Silver lining. You've got an extra point. So let's now have a look at Ben in seventh place. Third point, so a little bit more than the two below. Um, only one point behind you, Mick. Now with that 30, we've got Thiago Silva with six. We've got Ben White with five. Ericsson with five um, was able to, to get a return there when Martial came on. Uh, Anthony was on the bench for seven. He's probably going to be kicking himself a little bit about that, leaving Anthony on the bench. I can understand it, though, playing Manchester City. But uh, I've always said you've got to just keep your best players on, even if they have a bad fixture. In my mind, I'd keep my best players on there. You've got to say Anthony is one of his best players. We said it last week. He's got a cracking midfield. Look at that midfield. Like, if they all go, he's going to get some good points. So I'm sure we're all just waiting for that. And uh, look, at the end of the day, there's still a bit of potential there, and I'm sure he'll still pick up some some good points moving forward, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that it'll be too long until he starts getting it. The question is, does he have the players to haul him points that he needs? Um I think Ben's season will rely on how Graham Potter goes with Raheem Sterling. I think if he can get Raheem Sterling firing, Ben can bring his way back into it. If that doesn't happen, I think he's going to struggle to make up significant ground. He can make a mid-table. He can get out of that bottom kind of two, three, four that we're kind of stuck in that moment. Um, but I think he's really going to rely on Sterling and to, to a lesser degree, Ken, Ken Sello. Um, but I think he definitely needs... The, the big scoring middle middle forward to get him out of that hole. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I must say, Ericsson's played a lot more than I thought he would, but I guess Ericsson's a quality player and probably deserves to be playing in that midfield for, for Manchester United. So um, hopefully he can keep getting some points. Um, And with Anthony there, you know, there's still an option to try and trade with the likes of Gilby if he really wants to and get something different. But uh, Anthony's been scoring uh, some good points so far since he's come to the league. So no need to maybe get rid of him just at this point in time. Uh, again, if we go back, we have Mick. You're in sixth place. You made a move. You were able to get one ahead of Ben and uh, four ahead of Nathan. Now, we were talking about before that... Um, Although you're up into six, which is great, you made a little bit of a tiny move. It does mean that you don't get uh, maybe the trade picks that you're maybe after because uh, you are going to yeah. be uh, fourth in line now, which isn't ideal for you, obviously. No, um, and I think looking at my team, like I hinted at it before, but the, the main spots that I'm lacking at the moment is, yes, my, my big hitters aren't hitting. Um, and in that, I'm referring to Allison and Alexander-Arnold at the moment. Um, to a degree, Mitrovic as well, you could say, because he's been so good this year. And then my midfield, my midfield is completely missing. You take out those three I just mentioned, and even my bench back and um, forward scored five points. So it's just my midfield had absolutely nothing there. And then those yeah. other three that I mentioned. So 
Alexander Arnold, zero with conceding three goals. I think he got a yellow card as well, um, which wiped him out. And then yeah. Mitrovic got an early yellow card and then went off injured in the first half for zero points. So those two combining for zero, Allison only getting the two for, I assume, some save points in there as well. Um, outside of that, my the rest of my backs, I got seven for Trippier, six for Justin, seven for me, and I left five on the bench for Creswell. And then my forwards, I got Wilson for six, and then Dak came off the bench for a lovely backheeled goal. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Um, but a ball from Madison out from the right where he's kind of flicked it. Reminds me of uh, David Villa against Australia in the World Cup for Spain. Same yeah. kind of thing. Uh, Dak is, I think, was a little bit further out, though, which was pretty impressive to have beaten Henderson, the Nottingham Forest keeper, from that distance. So I think, yeah, for me, it's definitely a midfield issue at the moment. Um Mitrovic, even with that little Dorito there, will be staying in my team, especially while Isaac's out and Wilson will be starting. Um, yeah. But I think Neto is pretty likely to be uh, making way this week. So Saka, Gray, Sancho. Saka and Sancho are guaranteed to my team. Um, Eze for Palace, probably going to. I think they just had Chelsea on the weekend. So yeah. he'll probably slot straight back in. No issues there. Gray can be traded out. Neto will be, like you said, for uh, Wolves just haven't been that good. New manager coming in soon, whoever that might be. So he'll be making way. It's just a matter of who I can actually get to replace him there. Imagine if you kept Xhaka. Just imagine, hey? How great imagine if I kept, be. or if I kept Barnes. Or if you kept Barnes. And Either look, of the two. Yeah, I mean, and Saka actually had a really good game. He just didn't get any points. But he That's been him all season. Well. Yeah, so his time will come. He will, he will get on that role again, I'm sure. So, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think there's definitely room for you to get a few different midfielders there um, and, yeah. and just try your luck and see if you get some different points. Um, like I said, it's just it's, it's a frustrating week having scored 35 and moved up the ladder, but I've actually dropped points from first overall. So it, it's a frustrating one to have made that move up while still moving down, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, there's a little bit of a gap now uh, to Dan. So... You know, he's he's been doing really, really nicely. He got 39 points this week, so he was able to get four more than yourself. If we have a look at his, nearly getting to the 40-point mark, which is always a good thing. Uh, Luis Diaz with four points. Uh, Jesus with eight. Richarlison with five. And Firmino with 12. They were the big hitters for him. Um, nothing really left there on the bench. Uh, Diaz got a bit of a rest. I didn't think he was injured just they decided to rest him because they're only playing man united why not um harrison with three so he got a, a clean sheet bonus but realistically uh he might be a bit upset with his defenders i would say i'm sure he was probably hoping for a lot more uh from chelsea man U, and arsenal in terms of some more points there um so what could have been maybe if those three teams had had some a clean sheet but um yeah he's he's been doing really really nicely at this point in time Look, I'll, I'll point out, I'm having a quick look at uh, Dan's history there in terms of how points per game week. So he's gone 42-52-50, 39-40, and then a bad week with 24, then 39-39. Consistent. That That's is very consistent. That is the key. Absolutely. Not, not so dropping it, big, big points regularly, when, so that's great. And I mean, you, you can look at his score this week, and yes, he had 12 for Firmino and 8 for Jesus, but... He's had that consistently. So if he can get, I guess, and I think throughout the season, we'll start to learn the better players you can have in your team. And by now we should know that um, to yeah. try and avoid those ones and twos. Obviously they'll happen, but to avoid too many of them. 
but he's got enough of that consistent base everywhere else that if he can get a Luis Diaz or a Mares or a Jesus to haul, then he can score really, really well and break the 52 mark. Um, I I think he's got the players there to do it. Like I said, Diaz, Mares and Jesus, they can all do that pretty comfortably. Theoretically, Richarlison, Kulisevsky's injured. If he keeps starting, he can do it as well. Firmino can. We know that. He's done it twice already this year. Um, His team's not too bad at all. He just needs a little bit of luck. Um, He got a little bit unfortunate. I spoke to him last night that that Cucurella didn't actually play. It was zero minutes and he had Andreas on the bench for two points, but unfortunately it wouldn't have made a legal formation. So he couldn't make that automatic oh, substitution. I so see. I think uh, Diaz getting arrested and then Anderson also not playing has really hurt him there. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, lots of lots of points potential there for Dan. And, and like we said, he is going along really, really nicely. And, you know, he's, he's only three points behind Dave. And Dave got 37 points this game week. Um, so if we have a look, you know, Fabianski with seven, you know, uh, and and Skimaka with eight. So West Ham finally did something. So Dave would have been pretty, really, really pleased with that. Um, Kane with six and otherwise, again, just appearance points. A uh, couple of clean sheets with Tielemans and Jensen with three points apiece. Uh, if we have a look at the bench, Botman with five, He he could have, really use that and uh, Gomez with three, but Botman's probably the big one there that I'm sure he wish he played. Um, you know, again, with, with Dave, he's got a lot of points potential, especially in those forwards. He's looking really good with forwards at the moment. Um, you know, you've got to imagine that Darwin will click at some point in time, potentially. Um, Skumak has finally got uh, himself a goal and Kane is Kane. Um, but he went big at the back. So with James and Perisic, hoping that those good boys would pick up some more points. And unfortunately, they just haven't managed it so far. Uh, in maybe the last few game weeks. Yeah, it's it kind of seems like a weird season. Like you, you alluded to it before, but last year was a big at the back year. The year before that, it's always been a midfielder's game. This year, it kind of seems like the forwards. If you've got the strong forwards, you can do really well in this. Obviously, you got the elite guys, but like you just said, Dave's forward line's really strong there. Dan's a second ago. Richarlison, Jesus, and Firmino, really yeah. strong there as well. Uh, maybe, maybe what's next year going to be the year of goalkeeper? Yeah. The, the thing is, though, you know, you're, if you're having strong forwards, that means you are sacrificing your midfield a little bit. And we know that, generally speaking, midfielders are where you get most of your points. But, I mean, that's a conscious, conscious decision that Dave definitely made. And he's been through that as well when he's gone through, you know, looking at his draft where he did look at Kane and Darwin very early on. But, uh, you know, it, midfield, he's just got to be – I'm sure he's looking for opportunities in midfield to, to you know, maximise his points potential – um, you know, how, how long does he keep someone like a Jensen if he's not doing all that well? How long does he keep someone like Tillemans if he's not doing that well? Or Elise, who's really only just come back. I like him. I think he's a great player and hopefully he plays a bit more. Um, so, you know, again, doing pretty good. But he does have uh, sort of Dan breathing down his neck a little bit. And he isn't too far away from Jeff. So, you know, if we have a look at Jeff again... Here's where we have some negatives coming into the four. With There's a few coming in. Absolutely. Negative one for Martin. Zero for Dyer. Negative th- two for Emerson Royale. So that is negative three points from his defenders, which I'm sure he was irate about. Uh, Edison with two. We got Salah with five. Foden with 19. Not too much going on anywhere else. So it was really a Foden show for uh, for Jeff, and that's really helped bump up his points this particular um, this particular game week. 
if you take those 15 players that Jeff has, you take out his five midfielders, oh, wow. the other 10 players scored a combined three points. Oh, no. <laughs> and four of those are from goalkeepers, so two for each goalkeeper, yeah. one for Jota, one for Bamford, and then negative two for Royale and negative one for Martinez. That's insane. And then three guys didn't play. So <laughs> having that guy who can haul is massive. Can, can you imagine... Because obviously, you know, these are the guys, Koulibaly didn't play, none of those guys. Can you imagine if for whatever reason he didn't have Foden or he was on the bench and someone else got one point or something like that? Oh, that would have just been horrific for poor old Jeff. Horrifically funny? <laughs> sure. I, I mean, we, we would laugh about it. I think it would go down in uh, our league history as the, uh, the round to remember or the round to forget, depending sure. on who you are. I think for a lot um, but, of people it sort of is because, you, you know, you think about it and even just those slight differences to those defenders not getting negative and getting two points would have made a big difference to some, you know. I'm just imagining. Imagine Foden did only get appearance points. Yes, he takes off 17. His game week score would have been 14 points. Yeah. And imagine he then goes to win the league. I would love to have bought him a jersey that said round nine. 14 underneath it <laughs> how good would that have been oh hey may still happen and he might take this to heart and he might decide hey if i win that's exactly what's going on you know what I, i'd appreciate that if that happened <laughs> oh that's perfect well he's he's got a bit of a gap to second place which is uh gilby uh gilby does have about 40 points on him so it's 48 points this game week. Now, Gilby is one that I'm sure would have been very interesting to talk to him about with maybe his frustrations in this game week because we have seen a lot, and I mean a lot, of, of negative and zero scores, especially in defense. But it's not often that someone with 48 points – oh, I just need to refresh this really quickly – someone with uh, 48 points where that's the second highest for a game week uh, actually – has a further 20 sitting on their bench. Here it is down at the bottom here, a further 20 points. I'll just keep pointing this out uh, for, for people at home. 20 points. How many points? 20. I believe 20, 2-0. Two, zero. Oh. Two, zero. So, I mean, this. you've got Alvarez who came off the bench for 15 minutes. Yep. You've got Target who came off the bench for seven minutes. Yes, Yes. And then he already he'd already made two of his three automatic substitutions. So either one of those two guys are not coming on, and he goes from forty eight to sixty eight. Look, the saving grace, like before the last game of the game week, he needed one of Castagne and Madison not to play. Now, thankfully for Gilby, his saving grace was that they have combined for an absolute haul of points. Eight and eighteen, respectively. Like they've they've absolutely gone nuts, which is great. Because otherwise, I don't know how Gilby would have got through talking about his team. It, I don't know how he would have been able to do that if Castagne and Madison didn't get eight and eighteen points. It would have. Been, I don't know. I don't know how I would have spoken about it if it was my team. Like it's just absolutely insane. So he's very, very lucky there. But it could have been so much better. He could have had a further twenty points, like quite easily, at least another nineteen points. Like Dallas, negative two 
if 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 those two had swapped, like that's a that's twenty two points that he could have on top of this. So you know he he would have been absolutely rolling in it with seventy point game week. Like, oh, you got to feel for Gilby. That's just ter- terrible, terrible luck. And I'm sure he'll be kicking himself. And I, I I'm really keen to when he's on the podcast next talk about that and his thoughts and feelings behind it. But uh, you know, I, I would argue it's, it's still not a good luck. game week. I would argue it's not lucky he made the conscious decision to put him third bench. I feel like luck, he's consciously chosen the team in that sense. He's done the right thing to pick up that team, pick up that player, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, and that, that's one thing I know I really struggle for is playing midfielders and forwards against good teams. Yeah. There's really no risk to it. You can play them and not have worry. Defenders are the ones that you have to, there, there's a little bit more risk there, like we've seen this week with the negative scores. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting one there. Like, don't get me wrong, it sucks, I feel for him. Um, his bench alone wouldn't have got last this week in our league. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd still be pretty happy with 48. Yes, he hasn't made up ground to first because, again, you've won the game week, but he's breaking away from third pretty pretty consistently, pretty, um, pretty well now. Yeah. If you have a look at it, like, Dallet was his second sub who's come on for Ronaldo who didn't play out of respect for Ronaldo, apparently. Mm. And um, he's coming with negative two points. Like, I, I'm not sure I would have gone with Dallet before Trossard when I, I guess both teams were playing really, you know, Liverpool and Man City, but Liverpool haven't been playing that great. So you could sort of see that, you know, yeah. if, it's potentially they might be scored against and Trossard could be the one who does it. So yeah, maybe not the move I would have made and I'm sure he's kicking himself yeah, for you, that with a 22 point can, swing. I can completely understand that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why you'd have Dalot as your first, first sub at all. I think if, if you're not going to start him, I assume the reason you're not starting him is because you're worried about that. That might happen in which case get him as far away from it as possible. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Gilby, you've only got yourself to blame. No, no <laughs> sympathy here, mate. Oh, there we go. Well, we'll have to chat with Gilby about that next time. Um, but you know, his Castagna pickup worked quite well. Although, if he didn't pick him up, he would have had uh, a further twelve points come off his bench. So you know, there there is that. There is that, unfortunately, for Gilby. So is it going to be a Manchester United shirt with uh, Trossard twenty on it, or a Dalot negative two, maybe? Can you get a negative on a? We'll just get a three or something and rip off the top and the bottom part of the three to leave the middle part. There you go. Very good. Well, look, I I think we've we've done it justice there for you, Gilby. I hope uh, you're able to to get through this one because uh, unfortunately for you, as Mick said, I did win the game week with 52 points, so I was able to get another four points away from you so you know there's there's a tiny gap sort of forming it it can easily be overcome in a in a game week or two but 52 points surprise surprise the majority of it came from harland with 23 points um again my backs didn't do that great nico williams negative one uh Simicast with zero henry thankfully got me six i got a negative two with sinistera who uh is definitely going this week um, because he misses out a game week, plus, you know, Rodrigo's coming back. So who knows if he'll keep playing or be in the starting side. So um, that's unfortunate. I was looking forward to maybe keeping him around a little bit longer. 
Bernardo with five. Bowen finally came to the fore. I believe he got a goal and an assist, and he got the clean sheet, and he got a bonus three points as well. So I'm really, really pleased that now Bowen is finally uh, picked up some points because if we have a look at his run, he literally picked up only one extra points from the normal appearance points in uh, the first seven games. In now in the eighth game, 14 points, which has done wonders for his points total. So I'm really, really pleased that Bowen is off and away and hopefully he'll keep on going with that. Um, but otherwise, you know, not too much to write home about, but enough there for 52 points. Um, my bench was pretty static. I made sure that I left Fernandez and uh, Malassia on negative two points. He was definitely my last choice. Kulisevsky is injured at the moment, but I'll keep him around because he's fantastic when he is playing. So, yeah, pretty were, happy. Were you annoyed... Martial took the penalty, not Bruno. Um, no, because I didn't play Bruno. Fair. <laughs> I didn't start him because of the fact that they were playing City. Uh, and look, at the end of the day, I could have got some more points if I did play Fernandez because Sinistera got negative two. Let's be honest. But well, you know, if he if he'd taken the penalty and missed it, he could have been on negative three. <laughs> that's that's a really good point. So you know, at the end of the day. All has worked out quite well. I'm fairly, fairly happy with that. 52 points is good, and uh, it has l allowed me to sort of keep in the lead at this point in time. But like I said, that can be overhauled in one game week, but definitely two game weeks. So we'll just have to sort of wait and see if Gilby can can keep charging and, and make up that deficit. So, um, you know, all's looking good at this point in time. I'm pretty happy with that. And uh, there's definitely a few players here who you will not see next week um, and who I hope... Uh, will improve. So, you know, Tony had a quiet week. Mopai could do better, potentially. So we'll wait and see. Could be some, hopefully, some good returns coming, um, especially with Harlem playing Southampton. So that could be really, really nice. So it's that time where we need to look at next week, isn't it? It is. The next game week. So if we have a bit of a look... Uh, I'll bring that up on the screen in a moment. I'm just getting my Zoom sorted out. So the next game week starts on Sunday, the 9th of October. Let's bring it up here. We have some good games. We've got Bournemouth v Leicester. We have Chelsea versus Wolves. We've got Man City versus Southampton. Newcastle versus Brentford. Brighton v Spurs. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Leeds. West Ham versus Fulham. Arsenal v Liverpool. Everton v Man United, and Forest v Aston Villa. So the game that stands out for me is something like uh, Brighton versus Spurs. Brighton are just, you know, attacking at the moment, which I love to see. Spurs attack in a very specific way where they pretty much bypass their midfield every single time. It's almost like they don't have a midfield in an attacking sense. Um, so I think I, I like that game. I think that could be a really, really good one with Brighton. They do like to keep possession. They do like to knock the ball around and get forward and pass forward and uh, be dynamic. And Spurs will counter that by sitting back and trying to, you know, score on the break. So that could be a really good game. And they they were a bit down Spurs this last game. So hopefully they will improve on their performance next week. So that's the game for me. Um, Mick, what do you, what do you sort of see there? Well, I only just remembered I was working on my multi and then oh. I forgot about it. So I'm going through it now. But I, I actually picked that game out as well um, okay. as one that I thought had a bit of uh, something about it. Yep. Um, looking at the other ones, 
City Mike Southampton. Yeah, yeah. I, I say that because could be the end of Hasenhutl. Um, we know okay. Southampton's prone to a nine nil. They are. Maybe <laughs> I wonder we what also that's know that Harland is prone to a hat trick. Exactly right. So I think that that could be an interesting one. Um, I've seen a few rumors about Hasenhutl. He, he's lasted there for quite a while, to be honest. Yes. And they've always talked him up, but n- nothing's really come of it. They haven't been great this year. To be honest, they've probably been pretty poor for where but, you'd expect them to be. Yeah, the thing with Southampton, they can pull out a really good result sometimes. They as can. Well. They're very they're very up and down, and you know they have a very young squad as well, so that's to be expected. You just never know, hey? You just never know they might do no. something um, Other games, I think uh, Palace against Leeds could be a great time for Palace. I think this is probably the start of their really good run of fixtures. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be a good place for them to start Leeds. You just don't really know... They can attack relatively well, but they may not defend necessarily quite as well. Um, obviously, Arsenal-Liverpool, but I think Everton-Manu as well could be a really interesting one. Everton defensively have been really, really good. Um, so it could be an interesting one to see how Manu respond after conceding six. Um, be interested to see what a nil-all draw might be paying in that game. But I, I think, yeah, that could be an interesting one there as well. But I've uh, managed to put something together. It's not... Well, firstly, we'll go say, through before, last week. Before you go through that, though, I was just going to say with this round week, this game week, I never thought that I'd be saying, "Oh, we've got, uh, we've got first versus seventh in terms of it being Arsenal versus Liverpool, not the other way around." Usually, when you yeah. say first versus seventh, you're thinking Liverpool versus Arsenal, but it's actually the other way around. So that that's interesting. That's a big turn of the table. Um, that could be a really really good game as well. We probably should have hyped that up a bit more. And I was just going to say also Newcastle Brentford. I think could be a cracker. So. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my multi for last week, we haven't spoken about it yet. So uh, uh, off the top of my head, it was four legs. It was kind of two in one game and then two others. So it was um, three goals or more in the North London derby happened, which is good. Um, I had Harry Kane. I had Harry Kane to be the first goal scorer. He uh, he scored the second goal of that game. So unfortunately, that means the multi's off the table there. But I also had Everton to beat, I think it was Southampton they played, which they won 1-0. Um, that was actually an outsider there. And then I also had Liverpool to beat Brighton, which they didn't do. So two legs from four, um, pretty close, I would say, relatively on the Harry Kane one. Um, I mean, as close, he scored a goal, but obviously they didn't did. didn't score it first. But yeah. um, I think $1.33 might have been what Liverpool was playing, paying, um, not beating Brighton, kind of uh, killed that one there. So, hey, I've had worse efforts. And I don't think I could even say I've had better efforts because none of them have won. So it's about that normal. Um, but well, let's go to this week's. Okay. I've got Chelsea to beat Wolves to nil. Okay. Straight yep. up. There's the first one. I've got Tottenham to beat Brighton and okay. Richarlison to score a goal. All right. So Kulisevsky is still a little bit of a Dorito on his name. So I'm hoping Richarlison will start there. And then I've got Man U to beat Everton and Ronaldo to score. So I think Ronaldo will start now, having not played last week. That's a bit of an out there one. Um, may not even get a minute, so it's hard to know exactly. But I reckon he'll get a minute this week. Um, and then I reckon they'll beat Everton. A little bit of a bounce back performance. Those, I'll say three things combined, um, are 40 to one. Okay. So Chelsea to win to nil. Tottenham to beat Brighton, which that alone is probably a tough one. 
Um, yeah. Brighton have been really good. So, and then Richarlison to score, and then Man U to beat Everton and Ronaldo to score. Okay, I like it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not confident that it, it'll actually get up. I'm sorry, Mick, based on past performance. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, but you need more than just one piece of evidence to make a linear adjustment there, Isaac. So it's not like I've only got one wrong. I've only got what's this 47 in a row wrong now. <laughs> to, to be honest, I could get one right now and I'm still down. That's yeah. how many wrong I've got now. Absolutely. So that, that's a bit of a shame on your part. I, um, I will say though, that the one that's had the most positive feedback was the round that got cancelled that never happened. That was the one that everyone was up and about. They're going, yeah, I like this one. This could happen. Never happened. They were scared. They were scared of all of our listeners cashing in on my multi. They were, absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, yeah, the tens of thousands of dollars that they might have had to pay out was just too insane too for much. them. Exactly right. Too much. Mate, it's a conspiracy. Someone <laughs> actually knocked off the queen. <laughs> wow. This this wow. turned wow. this turned very quickly. I think that this needs there needs to be a spin-off into a this is a true true crime podcast. <laughs> this now. this is true crime, yes, absolutely. Is, that's what this is. So we need to find an investigative journalist uh, to first of all come and, and interview you. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously we 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 need to go right to the top. We need to interview and, the royal family. It just it, yeah. this could be massive. It could be. It really could be. Well, I hope you title this one next this week. Uh, who knocked off the queen? I feel like that'd be a really a really good quote for the the, the pod. I I may leave that one for now. Um, <laughs> it, but I think as, as the first title of the investigative podcast, I I don't see why it shouldn't be that. Yeah. Very good. Like well, it. Mick, thank you very much for joining me. Um, uh, we'll wait and see if uh, our lead analyst and sideline reporter are back with us next week. Um, only time will tell. But, uh, you know, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. We'll, we'll see how we go. I think we've done all right again. And uh, thank you for those people. Uh, there was a couple of people who were watching on. I think one of them was definitely Jeff. Um, so thank you very much. And uh, look, we will catch up with everybody next week. Cheers. Thanks very much, Mick. See you then. Thanks, mate.